There's the advisor, the client, the big picture, and now AI. It's time for this revolutionary technology to bring clarity to financial services like never before and to tell us how he's going about it. We have Dave Shell, the co-founder and CEO of Responsive AI, here on Bankadelic. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. If you're looking to grow your digital banking business, check out Lemonade LXP, the digital growth platform for financial institutions and fintechs. Lemonade LXP has both ingredients you need to drive digital growth, a learning experience platform that uses daily micro-learning to give staff the knowledge and confidence they need to promote and support your digital capabilities, and a digital adoption platform that supports your digital capabilities with technology walkthroughs that you can author in just minutes. So if you're rolling out new technology, merging with or acquiring another FI, or just looking to drive digital banking growth, you gotta drink the lemonade. For more information, check out Lemonade LXP at www.lemonadelxp.com. Thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Bankadelic. We hit 100 episodes not long ago, and we're already closing in on 150 episodes. Lou Carlosi, your host, coming in from the Bankadelic podcast bunker in Chicago. And today on the podcast, Day Washell. Day has worked for more than 20 years in data-driven fintech, most recently in the role of CEO leading Responsive AI. That's an augmented intelligence solution for financial advisors. Prior to Responsive, Day studied artificial intelligence at Stanford in the Symbolic Systems program and produced films and opera, I love that, that have been seen at the Hammer Museum, Tribeca, and Sundance. Day, welcome to Bankadelic. Thank you so much, Lou. Really glad to be here. Thanks for the cool intro. Yeah. And thank you for being on the podcast. I just love it when I get people on who are multidimensional, far beyond the world of financial services. And one thing I'm curious about, if it's okay to ask, is how you make the connection between what you do as an artist and what you are doing with AI and data-driven fintech. There's got to be something there that informs the thing that you do in the business world. Yeah, for sure. You know, film and opera are all about what the audience is seeing and feeling and experiencing from the stage or from the silver screen. And, you know, when you're working with data, the challenge we have most of the time is it's hard for users to see, feel, and understand the data in a way that kind of haptically makes sense and is direct. And so I'm taking that storytelling practice the practice of making things clear, making them usable, understandable, having the beats register. And we're applying that to the output of machine learning and our insights to give advisors, you know, a clearer view of customers' needs and what's going to be good for their business. And you're doing that at the forefront of a technology that for a while things seemed a little sleepy. When I was at the Bank Administration Institute 
in my role as managing editor, they said, well, we got to name 2019 something. What do we name it? And I said, well, how about calling it the year of AI? AI is going to be huge. And not much seemed to happen on the AI front in 2019. And now it is on everybody's lips, especially with chat GPT. We talked a little bit off mic. You see that, I think, is a jumping off point to discuss AI augmented wealth tech. There've got to be some huge overlaps there. Maybe you can walk me through that and tell me what you think is critical to recognize. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about, you know, chat GPT and stable diffusion and all these new AI tools that can have everyday users is that for a long time, intelligence was the domain of experts. And to get access to these tools and to use them, there's an incredible amount of complexity. Even large organizations with millions of dollars could hire PhDs. But to have everyday business users making use of the tool is quite challenging. It's quite complex. There's an interface issue. There's a storytelling issue, right? So now with ChatGPT, the average person, you know, I was just talking to my mom about it. She was using it to figure out her U.S. taxes. She's a Canadian citizen. So her and my dad were asking questions about, you know, what do we need to do here? How do we stay on side in the U.S. for our taxes? So that's like a huge interface. That's like a big breakthrough that's probably comparable to, you know, the late 90s when Google came around and we could just query the entire body of human knowledge and get a list of options that we might want to look at. So I think that the interface actually, as much as the intelligence, is the really interesting piece that there's this new human interface that fits into language. It fits into how we see things if you're talking about stable diffusion. And I think beyond just you know accessing information, getting insights, there's this layer of how are we going to interact with each other? How are we going to interact with data? And it's sort of flipping the whole script on you know entire industries once again. So I'm very excited for what we can do. And I think for the advisor, there's a lot of really interesting pieces there, natural language interfaces. They're very hot right now. They're kind of a shiny object. I think there's things that come before that. But certainly, you know, if there ever was a doubt about the role of the advisor changing, I think these new tools are really showing us that certain tasks and operations are going to be automated away into nothing. And a lot of these sort of day-to-day workflow activities might not be as valuable as understanding and interfacing with the client the human piece is what becomes more valuable. And I think these tools can supercharge the advisor to really understand their client better, know them better, and connect with them better and engage them better. So I think that the tectonic shift is the advisor of yesteryear operating all these functions and pulling all these levers to really kind of sitting on top of operations and top of the data and narrowing in on, you know, what's the most important conversation to have with client today? And what should we be talking about? And AI will enable that. I love that. I spent a bit of time a few years ago writing about the accounting industry and how that was one of the first industries really getting hit hard by technology in the form of robotic process automation. You had programs that could do hundreds of tax returns in minutes with a greater degree of accuracy and accountants were freaking out. Why do they need us if the machines can do it? And the answer that inevitably came back from the top experts in the industry is exactly what you're talking about, this use of sound judgment. Humans are freed up from the drudgery and they can now do what only a human being can do, take all of the factors and weigh them and have an ongoing discussion with the client and things get much better. 
And speaking of taxes, we talked a little bit about how tax data is God data and that tax data really is the key to unlocking a whole bunch of truths about people. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit and walk us through why you believe that and why it matters. It doesn't matter what I believe so much as it matters what leading advisors believe. The top 10% of financial advisors, they ask for tax returns when you're onboarding with them. The top 1% require it. Now, that's because a financial advisor, according to regulation and the ideals of the industry, is supposed to understand your financial situation, understand your goals, and be able to provide you with the best advice to get there. Now, if you're not providing a whole picture of your family situation, of your assets, of your incomes, that's like walking into the doctor's office. You know, you might have a bullet wound in your leg and then not telling your doctor. You'd never do that. So for us, we're very excited. We've made a partnership with a company called Tax Status. They have a very unique connection directly to the IRS. So responses able to pull tax data directly from the IRS to provide actions for the advisor to have conversations with the client on, and also to update the CRM with what is the ground truth of family status, of assets, of income. And so we can use the IRS as the true CRM to enable better insights and to make sure that we're doing the right thing for the client based on what they need at a point in time. And indeed, there's a CRM catch-22 that plays into all of this that I know you have some insights on. Yeah, for sure. You know, like the CRM is an incredible invention, right? But the catch-22 is that the CRM company is selling that they have insights about the client, right? Based on what's in the CRM. But the reality is the advisor has to operate that CRM every day, every week, every month, every year. So, you know, if an advisor's got a lot going on, they're getting distracted by sort of things coming to the top of the pile, you might get CRM entries that are out of date. Now, with taxes and external outside data, we can detect something that would reflect a change in the CRM. So from a 1040, we could pull there's a change to the family, or we could detect that maybe someone stopped paying tuition for a dependent, and that could get entered in the CRM, which reflects a good time to have a replan or a discussion about maybe downsizing a home, contributing more to retirement. So something we really believe in and we're promoting right now is the idea of CRM repair and your confidence in the data you have. You're decisioning off the data in your CRM, so you better have confidence in it. And that's why we've created Next Best Actions using the insights from the IRS in order to prompt and nudge advisors to you know do that discovery with a client. Do you want to talk about the company you have in your K-1s and so on and so forth? So it's this virtuous cycle of detecting new things inside the CRM prompting the advisor to have a conversation, doing that discovery, updating the CRM, and then finding new opportunities and risks that are going to help the client and they're going to help the advisor with their business. Fabulous. Take me through the flow chart, the typical customer journey in a financial process. I think I want to just start conceptually about what we are. We have generative AI now that can generate more emails and more reports and more, more, more. Well, Maybe it's not about doing more with AI. Maybe it's about doing less. So for us, that less is, I don't know if you know Suzuki Roshi, he has this expression, the most important thing is finding the most important thing. Yes. So our flagship product, Prioritize, is designed to, any given morning, find the most important thing for the advisor to discuss or action with the client and then help them do that. So. We prioritize the most important thing, and then we help the advisors see more, know more, and do more. So what does that look like? We can work with 
integrating to existing data that an advisory-led practice might have to enrich that data and provide more insights around cross-selling, around compliance, around client financial wellness, or we can help connect and bring data from outside, behavioral analytics of bank accounts or the direct connection to the IRS. And so with these connections and this data, we generate insights and nudges for the advisor that are gonna you know, allow them to do the right thing for their client, allow them to do the right thing for their business. So for example, suppose we have a client called Jordan Fatherhood. And when we talked to him a year ago, he was single, he was solo dolo, he was living La Vida Bachelor. Now, he's been a busy guy, he got a promotion at work, he got married, he even had a kid. And we haven't talked to him in a year, but his whole life has changed. This is gonna show up in his 1040, and what Responsive can do through tax status is pick up that change of family status, alert the advisor. The advisor can connect on a moment that matters, engage the client based on where they are, and he can start to replan based on this new circumstance. So it's multi-tiered. We're giving the advisor dance moves to really discover the client and then engage conversations that are going to meet needs. Wow. And that you can do that based on... IRS data is incredible because as you may be aware, my accountant told me about this is that the IRS computers are nicknamed the Studebaker system because they essentially haven't been updated since Studebaker cars were on the road. They're due for an overhaul at some point. Maybe this is germane. Maybe it doesn't matter if the IRS does start to update its game in terms of technology, does that make it easier for companies like yours to do the type of work that you're doing or you're just fine with what you're able to pull right now? I mean, I just got to give a shout out to Charles and Chuck at Tax Status for building just a rock star product, which basically wraps that Studebaker system in a contemporary API to provide access to that raw data. So they have a very smart client consent workflow that allows the client to connect and then that data is served over API to us at Responsive. Now, what we're adding on top of their raw data are all the insights and dance moves that an advisor is going to want to have about that tax data. So it's easy to connect. It's easy to get the client to see the value. And then it's easy for the advisor to start doing new things based on that data. So, I mean, today we don't need the IRS to change because we're so stoked about what Charles and Chuck have done at tax status. That is really cool. I'm wondering if there was a moment when an illumination or a pain point that led you down the path to get responsive AI going, something that you recognize that made you ask yourself, why isn't anyone doing anything in this realm? That's a great question. So in a previous life, I was a quant building stock selection models and macro models and generating alpha and all that kind of stuff for a manager that manages around 2 billion. I think they still use my software. But you know, 2008 was kind of a bummer, I mean, to put it mildly. And I had discussions with an economist by the name of Noah Smith, he wrote for Bloomberg. And we sort of talked about problems in the capital market system and sort of where I got to personally was there's all this intelligence facing the portfolio, all this intelligence chasing alpha, but there's not enough intelligence understanding the end investor and the client and what they need and clearing away the noise and the bureaucracy for the financial advisors so they can really do the right thing for the client. So the mission of this business is to solve that problem of actually using AI to do less and focus on what really matters. And that's client needs. And at the point in time when it matters, not after it matters. Yeah, when. And a lot of these people who 
have so much intelligence going for them when it comes to financial matters also take on at times a hint of mysticism, right? Now it matters and a lot of AI and robotic process, machine learning is about getting to the now. How real time can we get? How incisive can these insights be and how much will they meet the needs of people? You're doing something that is really, really intriguing to me. If we were to, let's say, sit down and have this conversation in a year, and sometimes in artificial intelligence, a year is an eternity, whereas four generations ago, a year wouldn't have made much difference in any kind of technology. What might change in the work that you do that you would find really exciting? It gets back to, you know, the question you asked me earlier on about how am I taking my learning from film and opera and applying it here? At the end of the day, right, financial advice is about an advisor and a client looking at the big picture and then trying to get the client to get there day by day, week by week to the best of their ability, given the present information. For us, we're really excited to take the insights that we're finding the priorities we're discovering and mapping those into that visual field that the advisor and the client look at so that they can really understand they're at a point in time, like what's the most important thing? How does it apply to my family? How does it apply to my goals? How does it apply to my wealth? And I've had some very cool discussions with Adam Holt over at Asset Map. I think he's done a really good job on creating a couple of visuals that really guide the client advisor journey. I'm excited to keep talking to him about that. But I think for us, using these new tools to provide the advisor with support that's really going to focus in on here's what we need to be talking about with the client and what does that look like and how do we prevent the advisor from printing out a massive report or screen sharing and kind of diving around an advisor workstation how can we kind of simplify it down to that one beat of this is what we're talking about right now this is why it matters and this is the impact so using the ai to fuel a visual experience and provide language that's going to resonate with the client. I think that's the ultimate dream for us. Yeah. Music to one's ears, a sight to behold. Those are definitely things that you know all about in your work outside of finance. And it sounds like you are bringing an uncommon intelligence and clarity to all of this. Clarity makes for fantastic art. It also makes for things of mathematical beauty and stuff that just changes people's lives and makes them better. I really want to salute you and the work you're doing. I hope we can stay in touch today. Thank you so much for being on Bankadelic. Thanks so much, Lou. I mean, it's really nice to hear that I strive to be clear and it's such a wonderful experience to be talking with someone who can stimulate both my left and right brain. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're working on it. I'm also working on the front and back brain, but <laughs> baby steps for me. <laughs> Dewa Shell is the CEO who leads Responsive AI. They are based in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Be sure to look for Day on LinkedIn. You're listening to Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at NMD Plus, based in London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard here, be sure to check out NMD Plus's financial technology podcast, Dave and Darm Demystify, with hosts Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery. Bankadelic. 
sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. With more than 1.2 million page views annually, Talking Biz News is the go-to source for happenings in business journalism. Whether you're a PR professional, a business journalist, or someone just breaking into the field, TBN is a source that you cannot do without. Whether you're following the Washington Post, New York Times, local media outlets, or some feisty news startup, Talking Biz News has you covered. Job openings are also listed and updated every day on the TBN website. Be sure to sign up for your free subscription to the TBN newsletter at Talking Biz News. That's Talking B-I-Z News.com. The year is 2051, and in the greatest breakthrough that financial services has seen in more than two millennia, we introduce to you AI. Artificial ignorance. You can use it in call centers. Your call is very unimportant to us. Please continue to hold. Or on the internet when people are trying to apply to get a credit card. To complete this credit card application, please input the first 15 codes of your DNA sequence. And perhaps most importantly of all, your financial wellness. You look fat. Get to a gym and empty out your wallet. Give it to me. That's right. Artificial ignorance coming soon to a bank near you. Assuming it stays open after we introduce it. Three Bullseyes. Number one. There's all this intelligence chasing alpha, but there's not enough intelligence understanding the end investor and the client and what they need and clearing away the noise and the bureaucracy for the financial advisors so they can really do the right thing for the client. Number two. We have generative AI now that can generate more emails and more reports and more, more, more. Maybe it's not about doing more with AI. Maybe it's about doing less. Suzuki Roshi, he has this expression, the most important thing is finding the most important thing. Number three. 
There's a lot of really interesting pieces there, natural language interfaces. They're very hot right now. They're kind of a shiny object. I think there's things that come before that, but certainly, you know, if there ever was a doubt about the role of the advisor changing, I think these new tools are really showing us that certain tasks and operations are going to be automated away. And now, Lou's views. Well, it may seem that a Zen Buddhist monk born in 1901 and a technology revolutionizing the 21st century would have nothing whatsoever in common. But Dave Wischel of Responsive AI built that bridge on today's podcast when he mentioned Suzuki Roshi's quote, the most important thing is finding the most important thing. I could not agree more in the context of generative AI in 2023, and here's why. We tend to be very distractible people, whether that pertains to car wrecks on the side of the highway and rubbernecking or the shiny new toys that take us down a rabbit hole. I remember watching people line up around and around and around the block at the Apple store in Chicago when the first iPhones came out. Those $700 phones today are barely worth their weight as a paperweight. And what it says to me is the way forward is always going to be guided by sound judgment, falling in love with the problem and working to solve that problem. Artificial intelligence is not the solution. It is a way to a solution. And great solutions, sound judgment, will always come from human beings who assess what is the best path to go down. So it's up to us to realize, just as Day said, that maybe the way forward with AI is not more, but it's less. That is the strategic application of a great new technology in service of the most important thing. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Ken Montone. Our business consigliere, the one and only Rob Gaynor. Dude, I totally got into the show. Thanks as always to the William Mills Agency for their generous support. Thanks also to Banker Hire, Lemonade LXP, and Talking Biz News, a division of Vested LLC. I'm Lou Carloso. You can catch me on LinkedIn and someday on my Vaudeville YouTube channel. Rink a dink dink in. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. 